Genesis chapter 4, and we'll just read a few verses, starting with verse number 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, his brother, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth. He was angry. His countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. I'll offer that last verse in another translation. God said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Gateways. Everybody said in Jesus' name. I love you, and I thank you for standing, and please be seated. And when you're seated, would you just give God praise out of your mouth with your own voice? And with your hands, and let him know I love you. The names were changed some time ago. It seems that ambiguity was desired, though their world already lay bare. Her name is Amy. She should have been the principal character in their family story, but it was her father who took the spotlight. Even though her father was not dependent on drugs, he had no chemical issues, even still, it was he who enrolled in the 12-step program of AA on behalf of his daughter. Amy would not attend, so he took the steps himself. He wanted to know what recovery looked like. Now, Amy grew up in a functional home. Conversations and family dinners took place, healthy conversations. Holidays were joyful. Birthday gifts were not makeup items for absentee parents. Routines and disciplines were followed on a daily basis. Amy's mother said that if you would have seen their family or had known them, you would have had confidence to say that they were good folks with sound principles. And by and large, your observation would have been correct. Amen. Thank you, brother. Not all tragedies happen to those living a flagrant lifestyle. While the story of dysfunctional homes have common threads, listen now. Their threads are poor communication, 
lack of structure, minimal manners and less honor, undisciplined financial decisions, and marital disputes. Amy did not grow up in those boundaryless fields. Just so you know, most of the time, your children will treat you and other authorities in the same way you treat your authority. It's just a mimic of the human spirit. Now, I entered this pulpit in the office that the Lord called me, and I'm going to teach and preach. But not all stories, not all lives follow suit. Even the comfort of the father's house won't tamp down the fleshly desire of the prodigal. Even the good house can produce a prodigal. It was a chance encounter. Amy's at a friend's birthday party. In short, she doesn't know everyone. One of the other girls has a big personality. And that girl commands the attention of the room with laughter and proposals. Uncommon things to Amy. Things she knows her parents would not approve of. That one encounter led to more, none of them innocent or wholesome. The girl with the big personality was nothing less than a gateway to a tragic life for Amy. Neither Amy or her family would ever believe that a single night at a friend's birthday party would set her on a path to the heroin addict she will become. It did not start there. No one starts at the end and of a truth It's hard to see the end. God told Cain, sin lieth at the door. It is crouching like a ravenous beast. If the door is open, it will consume you, but you must master it. Cain's life is left for the whole world to see. His story is among the oldest in human history. Only Adam and Eve could tell things that came before Cain. But everyone else, everyone would forever see the damage of Cain and the blood that he spilled of his brother. God warned him, but he did not listen. And that moment of anger, jealousy, set in motion things none of us can measure. Sin lieth at the door. You see, some doors lead to wonders and revelation. Some are filled with biblical understandings that come from God, from from a personal study. Paul said, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which I preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's gateway into revelation and ministry came on a dusty road that led to Damascus. The fulfillment of it led to 13 books written in your Bible by Paul's own hand. He established churches all throughout Asia Minor and he developed Timothy, one of the world's greatest pastors. Jacob paused at a place he called Bethel. He dreamed of the doorway to heaven, a staircase where angels traversed and the Lord stood atop all of it. The next morning he said, this is none other, and I quote, but this is the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. Gateways. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis was one of the pivot points of the early explorers 
those two mighty rivers of the Mississippi and Missouri passed through the common ground. It became the gateway that led to canyons and mountains and the ultimate gold rush in the West. But not all doors lead to blessings and revelations. Not all gateways lead to the fertile land of hidden treasure. Some lead to a lifetime of sin, conflict, disjointed philosophies. And as it regards Amy, her father said, I never saw it coming. And though he blames himself, no one can grasp where one single door might lead. Amy went from a little marijuana to some pills and then on to a mixture of drugs. All of it came with people, unsavory people. They came with lies and deception. They came with stolen monies and cover-ups, infidelity. You see, the tagline of all drugs come with sexual sins. Most of all, those strongholds are attended with fear and guilt and shame and the emptiness that all addictions bring. I want you to know today, and as plain of speech as I can make, the devil is not looking out for your good. The enemy, in whatever form, is coming to destroy your soul. You're in the fight of your life. To think that God would include this moment in history, Cain, for all the world to know. It was the first scene after the garden, and it echoes past dispensations, and it goes past nations and languages. It's not confined. All the world knew of Cain and Abel. There are some doors that lead to the absence of God. You have no idea what the absence of God means. It's a darkness like none other. The modern-day preacher has removed these words from their pulpits because they seek to appease the hearer. They want more people to come. The American church is looking for refined orators that won't disturb the members. But here's your Bible. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Here's your word. And of some have compassion making a difference. Oh, that's my go-to. Love and compassion. But Jude didn't stop there. And others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. You're in the fight of your life. And I'm not standing here to appease you, but I've got to preach the word of the Lord and teach this congregation. Something's got to change even now in your home, in your life, and in this house. I want to know, where did that kind of preaching go? I'll tell you. People outlawed conviction. They outlawed convicting sermons by finding a place of comfort where they can just cruise into a church and cruise out. Preaching today, however, must address the spiritual strongholds that exist in all of our communities. If this is a feel-good speech or a seeker-friendly lecture, no one's going to turn from sin and seek God, and thus no one's going to be saved. I stand here to tell you there's too much depression and there are too many strongholds in our world for me to simply simply tell you that you can think your way out of it. You are not going to think your way out of it. You've got to have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. There are too many people struggling with anxiety in the church. And self-doubt in the congregation for me to give you a self-help book and say, call me in the morning. Band-aid pulpits do not heal. They just cover up the infraction. 
And the day any congregation hires a preacher, that's the day they die. Yeah, there is a way. There is a power. Not only is it sound doctrine, we've got to have sound doctrine in the preached word and speaking the truth in love, but it's also prayer and it's fasting. It's prayer and it's fasting. And prayer and fasting don't come with LED lights and smoke machines. They don't come with nice keyboards and a good song set. They don't come with comfort and air conditioning, heating, cooling, carpets, and nice padded pews. Prayer and fasting is the only way you're going to make it through, and you've got to employ prayer and fasting. Think. And then on to dedication and consecration. I'll just give it all. A saturated life in Christ. All in. Consumed with the things of God, sold out, captivated by the word, immersed until you reply, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Milk, the milk of the, it's good for a while, but it's time for us to engage in intercessory prayer and then pray until we lose our words and the Holy Spirit takes over with groanings. The Bible says, I'll quote it to you. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Oh! Until you pray, until you lose your words, and the Holy Ghost just groans out of you. When you're standing in the gap and you're making up the hedge and you're trying to pray for something to, ha- to happen, you got to get into that intercessory prayer until you lose your words and all of a sudden the Spirit starts to come out of you and groans. And it's the Spirit that takes over the prayer out of your own mouth. Research tells us that almost, almost 100% of the time, drug users never start with hard drugs. It's always one of two things, alcohol or marijuana. And because alcohol is harder for a teenager to get, marijuana is now the preferred substance. (laughs) Think. And for those who are honest and do not minimize this as some harmless thing, and some medicinal thing, it's called a gateway drug. It means that it always leads to something more. Gateways, by their very definition, are not the conclusion of the matter. Gateway moments are so very critical. Decisions for life are often made sometimes without us even knowing where they came from. To be pure and clean where your mind is not corrupted with images and thoughts. That's not happenstance. It's not a gamble. If a young man will retain his virginity, he'll have to make a decision long before he meets the girl. Here's your Bible. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Here's the answer. By taking heed according to thy word. I never thought I'd hear that in church. You don't mind it in your living room. In fact, if I said the things that happen in your living room that come from your televisions, you'd find another place to go. So what you've done is you've compartmentalized your entertainment. (laughs) Oh, you don't want me today. 
is this word in your home or is it just in the church service? Because if young men are going to stay clean from the elements of this society, you're going to have to know the scripture. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Let me just tell you, I wasn't perfect and I'll never be perfect. But it was the memorized word that kept me through my college years. It was the word that I knew that lifted me up and established my thoughts. It was the memorized word that kept me from signing a singing contract. Though there was a lot of money at the time. It kept me from losing my faith. It kept me when the enemy attacked me. It kept my family when I could not see the future. And it keeps me today. It's the word that's keeping me. Thank you if you give me a compliment, but your compliment never rises above the word. Thank you for praying for me, but it's the word that kept me, and it's the word that grounds me. In fact, when the devil comes against you and you don't have an answer, that's the reason why you don't have an answer is because you've not followed the path of Jesus Christ. When the devil tempted the Lord, the Lord quoted the scripture. Does your home welcome the scripture? Men of all ages, if you're going to be kept from strongholds taking over your thoughts and your life, you'll need to read and memorize the Bible. You'll need to pray. Yes, men, you'll have to fast. Do not wait for me to call a church fast. I will. But you can do it today or tomorrow or the next day. Serve. Do not wait for leadership to ask you to serve. Serve. Fast. Pray. That's the commission of the church. Don't professionalize it. It's not a small group. Some group over here might clean. Some people here might fast. Some people might pray. No. We all do it together. Yes. Let me just tell you. Whatever you keep is going to keep you. You retain a hateful heart and hateful spirit, it'll bind you up for the rest of your life. You keep anger and resentment, it'll, just, it'll devour your sleep. Mm-hmm. You keep sports as your go-to pleasure, it's going to devour your time and your passion. But men, if you keep your devotion to the word and your prayer and serving, it will keep you in what Isaiah called perfect peace. I'm praying for our men to be in perfect peace because your mind's been stayed on the Lord because your thoughts have been about God. Because you wake up thinking about him and in the noonday you think about him and you go to bed thinking about him. And if a young lady is going to retain her innocence, she'll have to decide her limitations and her boundaries. And these are called personal standards. You set them. But today, even wedding dresses in our churches seem to deviate from the norm of holiness. How could that be? How is it that apostolic brides wear wedding dresses exposing themselves with garments they would never wear in normal life? Is the wedding day a day for exposing yourself? I did it for the picture. The picture that lasts forever, the picture that tells your children, yeah, but you know, we were, we lived the right life, but when our wedding day, I offer you an altar here today. This could be the door that leads you to a life without skeletons and memories you would like to forget. I'm 
preaching today for a set-apart church. I'm reaching for a set-apart life. I'm seeking for a holy house of prayer. Yay! I'm talking about decisions made at the gateway. I'm talking about a life made at the door. A moment of determination followed by a life of continuation. Let me just let me just tell you about my passion. Souls are my passion. You are my passion. My family. The church. I'd rather I'd rather see a thousand souls be in the house of God every Sunday than anything else. You couldn't give me anything that would that would make me more joyful or more happy. Well, maybe a horse would be no. Then a thousand souls worshiping God, singing the praise of God, seeking the Lord. I'm after the city. I'm after the lost souls. Soul winning, reaching people starts with a decision. It happens when you are consumed with the lost and you don't care about anything but reaching lost people. We knew a man growing up named Gary. He reached dozens of men in his factory where he worked. I think the number was around 25 families, 25 different men. He reached them. He taught them. He baptized them. He brought them to the church. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They spoke with tongues. It was incredible. He said he came to a moment when he decided to lose his pride. He said that he went through a door where he cared about nothing but teaching Bible studies to his co-workers. He didn't care about a self-image. He was willing to suffer criticism, and he suffered a lot of criticism. But it was the gateway of selflessness, and it led him to one of the most powerful church revivals we ever saw. He could have turned away. He could have said it wasn't worth the humiliation. But a gateway of opportunity lay before him, and hundreds of souls were saved. And the Lord prodded me and reminded me of it. And I felt the Lord impress me very strong. If we want to reach our city with the gospel... We're going to have to have a revelation of hell. Because too many people don't have a realization of eternity. Even the saints are looking at the blessings and the benefits of being saved. But if we want to reach lost souls, we need to know where they're going. A good vision of hell will change your mind about your purpose in this life. There is a door here today. It's a moment to reconsider what we're doing and what needs to be done. We are in the fight of our life, and we got to reach everybody we can with the great gospel of Jesus Christ. This is serious business. I pray that you get some good rest. But I'd pray at least one of those nights you'd have a vision of a lake of fire, and you'd say, I'm not going there, and I don't want anybody there. Oh, yes. I won't tell the whole of Amy and her family of the tears of her mother and sisters or her pursuing father. Only to say that they are just one of many Pentecostal families that grace the doors of church houses thinking that they are invincible to the snare of Satan. It's not true. Maybe that's why Jesus said, watch and pray. That he enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, Matthew 26, but the flesh is weak. Maybe that's why Peter wrote, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he's like a roaring lion, he's walking about, 
He's trying to devour you. You see, Cain did not have YouTube. He didn't have Facebook or TikTok. He didn't have a cell phone. There was no such thing as media. He had no influencers to lead him into the nonsense that so many of our people are following. An influencer? You ought to find someone in the church that has a walk with God to influence you. Because if any of us are influenced by anything we see, people we don't know, we're headed down a wrong path. The Bible says you ought to try the spirits to see whether they're of God or not. They can say a hundred things right, but the one thing they get wrong might lead you into a gateway. You don't know where that path leads you. You better measure everything by the word of God. Cain never heard of the wrong crowd. And still the crouching beast sat at his door ready to devour him. And he did. God himself spoke to Cain. It was the audible voice of the almighty creator. But Cain did not heed the voice of the creator. And if Cain could ignore his voice without any other distractions, where does that leave us? The voice you hear is this voice of a man. And, if, and, and what if I'm not convincing enough? Or what if my presentation is not palatable to your sensibilities? I say today, you are in the fight of your life. And you're going to have to rise up and be vo- sober and vigilant. And fight the good fight of faith and say, nothing's going to turn me around. And I am sold out. I'm immersed. I'm bought. Yes. Yes. Amen. Now you might say to me, well, pastor, we have no desire for illicit drugs or alcohol. That's not our thing. I would join you in that rapport. But gateways are everywhere, and there are other things that lead to destruction. It's a little thing, right? Sarcasm. That continual sharpness which erodes and cuts honor and respect. It leads to a life of carelessness, no reverence. When you are irreverent to leaders, you will eventually be irreverent to God. You don't think that, but just walk through that gateway. I've watched many people go through the gateway of sarcasm, snide remarks, all those sharp words, and all of a sudden it turns from one another to God. And then it's mocking all the things of the church and somebody gets blessed in the spirit and you just go home and, and then you're at the table at some, some restaurant mocking what somebody would, was doing in the church. What? This is our conversation? Our conversation is, is well, did you see that? Paul? Oh, they were just so crazy. Well, let them worship God. Maybe they've been forgiven of much. This is what Jesus said. When a person's forgiven of much, he loves much. And the people in this room who recognize I was forgiven of a whole lot, that's why I act like this. Pardon me, but God has done so much for me. I don't care what anyone thinks. I beg your pardon. I'm not trying to be condescending, but I'm a little concerned there's a few people that attend this church. You don't think you were a sinner. 
You can't remember. You don't even know that you were a sinner. And you think you're always saved just because your mama and your daddy brought you to church and you've been in the church for a long time. I want to tell you, all have sinned. And your righteousness is nothing but dirty rags. And you ought to say, thank you, Lord, because you still brought me a mighty long way. And you still saved my soul. And you still rescued me and picked me up out of the miry clay. Just say out of your mouth, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for revelation, Lord. Thank you that I know the mighty God in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not steeped in the things of the world, that you give me the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that I've been baptized in the only saving name according to the Bible. Thank you, Lord, that I got a family of God. Thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you, Lord, for the breath. And you I'm breathing, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes. Oh, the gateways. There's so many places. Like Some of them lead to other, it's like half-hearted lifestyles. The half-hearted approach. It always keeps you at bay from ever really making a full commitment to the kingdom. Not really out, but really not in. Just enough, but not too much. Those are the people who constantly make excuses for their lack of commitment by comparing themselves to other people. They justify something always in justification. Not really all the way there. Not, not out, but not in. Somewhere in the middle. Go read about what God thinks about lukewarmness. Or it could be unchecked lust. Every man is tempted. Just stop right there. Temptation is common to everybody. But if you'll just stop right there and fight the battle, you'll win. But if you don't fight the battle, sin is crouching at your door, whoever you are. And lust, when it's conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death. Or how about a prideful spirit? You're not shy. You're just proud. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I, you know what? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for these receptive. Let's see if they come back next week, Lord. You did this, not me. How about the unteachable spirit? Listen, now the reason why I don't come on Wednesdays or hear the Bible studies or ever, listen, I've heard it all before. Stiff arm, stiff arm, stiff arm. Just unteachable spirit. What God gave, you rejected. <laughs> or how, the, how about the disposition of being unthankful? Which in itself is one of the tenets of the perilous times. Those paths all start somewhere, but they never stop where they begin. Judas could not be corrected. He would not take it. He wasn't going to stand for being called out. Judas was embarrassed by Jesus. He wasn't going to take rebuke from the Lord. Of all people, Jesus... Of all men, Jesus, tender and meek and calm, loving and patient. Jesus simply said, leave this woman alone. She's anointing my body with her broken alabaster box of precious oil. And at that, Judas had enough. He was filled with anger. It was a gateway moment that led to a path. And at the end of the path was a midnight kiss, a betrayal, a payment, and the return of 30 pieces of tainted silver. It led to a noose and a tree. 
They bought a potter's field with that silver and buried him there. That was the place where unusable clay spoiled the earth and the memory vanished without hope. I'm preaching today about a gateway that is in your life. It is in your day or in your days to come. So ladies and gentlemen, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, stay true, be thankful, be joyful. And when you're struggling, thank God that you're in the church to struggle. And when you're down, thank God that the lifter is in your life. And when you can't see your way out, just know he's still the light of the world and he's the light that shineth into every man's soul. And when you fail, get up again. And don't count yourself out But the, because the Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up, but he's still a righteous man. It's not in your falling, it's in your ability to get back up that qualifies you. Oh, yes. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I don't know how you feel, but I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching the word of truth today. You, you have no guarantee. You have no guarantee. But the simple truth is that the closer you get to the Lord and the more involved you are in the work of the church, the less likely you will be to be caught up in the world. <laughs> and I pause here just to say thank you. To the prayer warriors of the church. To the men and women who've been consistent in their prayer life. And fill this auditorium and the foyer in the prayer room with intercessory prayer. I want to tell you, it's our life's blood. It's how the church is surviving. I'm, I'm thanking everybody that prays for one another and seeks the lost. I honor you, all of you who teach Bible studies. I thank all of you who ask for a Bible study from people in your community or your neighbors and get rejected, but you still ask again. <laughs> I'm thank thankful for all those who drive long distances. A church alive is worth the drive. Your sacrifice is a testimony today, and God is taking notice. There is a blessing upon you, and I speak a blessing upon you, and I will tell you the prize is worth your time. But I still honor you for that. And for those who give without ex expectation of reward, and those who serve without expectancy of recognition, God is keeping score. And I'm humbled by your commitment, and this body of believers is growing because God is able to use you. Even still, stay sober, be vigilant. There's a gateway. And you got to pick the right door. And the right door is the door that leads to consecration and love and servanthood. And I want to tell everybody who's wondering, it's better on the inside than it is on the outside. It's always better in the house. Yes. There is a reason why David said and why he sang, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. One day is better than a thousand. It's better. It's always better. It's always better. It's better. Tell somebody next to you, it's better. The church is better. The house is better. Tell someone else, it's better. Tell somebody, I'd rather be here than anywhere.
That's right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I, I don't want to be too simplistic here, but I think there is a worthy statement. If, if you're going to be a member of this church for 10 years from now or in the next 10 years and longer, you'll have to make a conscious effort today to claim your stake, to be in your place. And if you've made that choice, you'll have to follow it up by living a consecrated life. I don't want to oversimplify it, but I, but I, I, I know of which I speak. Because there's going to be a lot of deterrence and detractions. And you're going to be led by a lot of different voices. And there's going to be a lot of things that can move you away. Shift your thinking. If you're going to be a saint in this house for the next 10 years, you're going to have to think of nothing else but living for the Lord and being faithful to the house. You're going to have to fight for your right to be in this place. Let me go a step further. If you're going to be saved or kept or devoted to the things of a holy God, you have to decide that whatever comes, nothing is going to deter you from the written word of the Lord. Not philosophy, not the world, not society, which is in a full-out shifting and a change. You'll have to remind yourself of the gateway decision, especially when you are hurt by other people that go to the same church. You have to remind yourself of the decision when you are offended or when your most desired prayer request is left unanswered the way you wanted. I heard this when I was young. I need to repeat it more often. The preacher put it this way. He said, if you live for God hard, it'll be easy. But if you live for God easy, it's always hard. <laughs> you live for God just a little bit here and there, it's very hard. But if you put your whole effort into it, it becomes a lot easier. Somewhere in some place, you're going to have to take time and talk to God. And this is what you need to say to God. You need to declare to God who he is to you. Who is Jesus to you? I'm glad when people tell me that they're trying to find themselves. I'm, I got it. Just trying to find myself. I think I understand what they're saying. I never did that. <laughs> but I never knew me until I knew him. And when I saw him, I found out me. When I understood and saw him, I understood me. Here's your word. Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say you're a prophet. Some people say you're a teacher. And then Jesus said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? That's the question. Who do you say that he is to you? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I'm going to give you, Peter, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. 
Peter's purpose in life came the moment he declared who Jesus was. You're Jesus. And Jesus said, yep, that's right. And you're Peter. And here's some keys. It was a gateway of revelation that would lead to the most profound, world-changing sermon ever preached. It's found in the book of Acts chapter 2. When Peter recognized Jesus, Jesus told Peter who he was and what his purpose of life would be. Here, Peter, here's your purpose. Preach Acts chapter 2 verse 38. When you recognize Jesus, you're going to find out who you are. Instead of trying to find out who you are on your own, you start recognizing him, and he'll tell you who you are. And then he'll give you a purpose, and he'll give you a design, and he'll give you keys. I never know what this day might bring. Someone may very well take heed to the word. Maybe there's a small spark of commitment. It might be the gateway that leads you to Finally, whittle your wishes down to David's course. One thing have I desired of the Lord. Just whittle everything down. Just, just reduce everything and just say, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sister Tammy and I join together. It is our most earnest prayer that everyone will take hold of this truth and the only saving doctrine. We've spent these years praying with you, for you, and others that everyone would build their lives around this word. Gateways and doors, the place of entry, it's always going to lead to something else. So I stand here right now to say to every young couple, every young family, come on, now is the time. Build your whole family around the things of God and the work of the church. I say to every new convert and every new believer and everyone who's been coming for a little while, build your whole life around the church. Build your your whole life around the things of God. Build your whole calendar and your schedule around the things that we're doing at the church house. Don't build your life on sinking sand or on the world or of government or of politics or of sports or of leisure or ambition, money, careers, all the education. Don't build your life on that. Build your life on the word of the most high God and be sober and be diligent and go through the gateway that leads you to life eternal. Come on, all the soul winners. You ought to be hungry. Today, I'm at the zeal of my house. I'm putting away my pride. I don't care about my self-image. Come on, everybody. I'm putting away all the things that I used to be, and I'm marching forward. I'm going through a door today. Somebody needs to say, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take everything else, but give me Jesus. Take all the ambitions, but give me Jesus. Just stand. Oh. Oh. I pray today, Lord, let this be the doorway. Let it be a gateway that's going to lead. I pray right now, let this be a gateway and a door that leads to something great in the lives of the saints of God. Let this house be filled with prayer and worship and dedication, Lord, I pray. 
Let there be extraordinary faith, Lord. Let there be servanthood in our hands and in our mouth and our step. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm looking for some fathers that would just lift their hand and say, Pastor, I'm making a, I'm making a, a commitment right now. I, I, I need some dads to raise their hand, raise their hand and say, I'm making a commitment right now. Where are my fathers and my, the husbands here in this house? Raise your hand. Let me see it. Raise your hand. Fathers and husbands, raise your hand. We're making a commitment right now in Jesus' holy name. In Jesus' holy name. I need some mothers. Raise your hands, ladies and wives. Make a commitment right now. We have some baptisms today. Come. Sister Tammy, will you help me for a second? This is my Julia. She's he, she's our little Catholic girl. <laughs> Got a revelation of Jesus Christ, and her husband. <laughs> this handsome couple and her husband said, "I'll go. I'll go with you to the Catholic Church." He got there. He said, "Oh, honey, I, I don't think I can do this." Catholics and the Pentecostals have a lot in common. They stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. We're, we're just like them. There's a little difference, though. He said, I don't feel anything right here. She said, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check out your church. She came a couple of times and got online. She started studying the tabletop Bible study all by herself. And when I found out, I said, hey, listen, you want to come? You want to come to my office? We're having a little, wherever we were going, tabletop Bible study. She said, I'm ready. I didn't even really have to convince her. She saw the revelation. She said, I got to have this. And she said, I've been talking to my mom about it. I I, I, want to show you what a gateway of revelation in the name of Jesus looks like. It's a life changed. It's a destiny changed. It's a hope changed. If you've never been baptized in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, if they didn't say in Jesus' name and you didn't say it, you need to be rebaptized just like they were in Acts chapter 19. Sister Joy, it's a beautiful thing. 
It's a wonderful thing. I'm calling for you today. I'm calling for people to make a decision here today. I'm calling for commitment today. I want you to come out of your seat. I want you to raise up your hands. I want you to make a commitment. I'm offering you something. I'm offering you a door. It's going to lead you somewhere. It's going to lead you to hope and life.